Welcome to Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. You're listening to Local Listens. You're listening to Local Listens. Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. Local Listens. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. I'm glad that you are returning with us, and I am really excited because I'm introducing fellow podcaster. He is the host of the Boundless Authenticity podcast. So if, if you're driving right now, keep on driving, eyes on the road, you know. But if you're not, go ahead and follow, subscribe, set that bell icon for the Boundless Authenticity podcast because it is a great show, it's full of insight, and a cool variety of Lots of guests. He's had quite a few episodes out already. And today I'm talking with, like I said, the host of the Boundless Authenticity podcast. But he's more than just that. He's a musician and a mindfulness coach. And I'm really excited to dive into both of those things and so much more. But Jehan, welcome, my friend. How's it going today? Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's great. Excellent. Excellent. Happy Friday. And I'm really excited to dive into it. But as a ritual first question, Jehan, I would love to ask you, when did you start to speak your truth? When did I start to speak my truth? Oh, man, I started when I was very young, and it got me into a lot of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, my favorite memory of being a truth teller is right around when I was going on to six, seven years old. Mm. We had to do a homework assignment, and the homework assignment is... You have to write out a poem, and it's an acrostic poem. So for those who don't know what that is, it means that every letter in the word, there's a line associated with it. Mm. And so... A to Z, right? Something like that. Mm. So like, uh, in the, the word was Barbados, which is where I'm from. Oh, okay. And it's, you know, it's kind of like how they install the programming in you from that age. Mm. Uh, the whole psychology of nationalism thing. Right. So I refused to do it. And uh, I got beat over the wrist with a, a ruler. Yikes. And it, it was a big thing. My mom got really pissed off and she went back to the school and like kind of cussed out the teacher and stuff like that. Good for her. Yeah. And um, she's like, you can't hit my kid. Right. And uh, I still didn't do it. But I, I saw everybody else was just so happy to regurgitate stuff and mm. I, I realized there's something wrong with this something about this feels off mm. even as a, a kid that you know you don't know much about the world right and you're just transitioning into that secondary phase of uh development mm-hmm. and so uh, that was when i really started to look at everybody else around me and look at the things that they were doing and i realized that there was so much stuff that i don't want to use the word wrong it just wasn't conducive Mm. to healthy mental function conducive to proper behavior and all those things Mm. well said my friend yeah i mean kids are very smart and maybe people underestimate especially younger kids because they have an innate sense of maybe not what's right and wrong but what is productive or what is producing an outcome that is desirable for them and in your case it seems like the whole nationalism craze, like 
pledging of allegiance and all of this is uh, is very strange to view from that young perspective because I didn't really think about it when I was younger. And it's only now that I'm realizing like, huh, my compliance and my obedience was just a given. Like it was never like something I stopped and questioned. But today it's really interesting that you bring that up. And I'm a a high school teacher. So I think about this quite a lot. And I have a bunch of students who don't stand for the pledge and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, right on. It's good to have free will. I won't say anything about that. You know, everyone's free to do as they, as they please. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious following that point on, especially because I'm a teacher and I'm curious and I've heard you speak about education as a programming tool, which is absolutely correct. What were your other experiences like from that point on going into high school, anything outside of high school? What comes up for you when you think about like milestones or like moments where you feel like you had uh, a deep experience of learning or gnosis in yourself? Man, I've been a lifelong learner and uh, it's always been in conjunction with pushing against some system. So, you know, anybody that knows me personally knows that I am a rock musician. Uh, if, if you've been in my life for a long time, you'll know that I've had a long history of being a part of the sex, drugs and rock and roll club. As going from my early teenage years into my mid 20s. And um, all of that was just about being a radical and being uh, against the grain. And I felt like... I was in a dark place, but I never put aside my own learning. Nice. And, and at that time, what was the catalyst for a lot of depression and a lot of uh, anxious reactions to life was me noticing that something fundamentally wasn't right. It was a deep feeling of mistrust for the outside world. And it led me to continue researching things. And on, on my instrument, I'm a guitar player mainly. And it's just always been something that's been ingrained in me. Music is something that comes naturally, but mm. it never once occurred to me to have an ego about that specific thing. That mm. was always my connection to something divine. And it's always felt like there's this light that turns on and it comes in through the top of my head and goes into my body. And then I'm completely a different person then and there. And I've always been passionate about learning more about uh, music and how it's uh, really all comes together and getting better at my instrument. And so through that process, I remained a lifelong learner and mm. a lifelong reader and all those kinds of things, because I, I didn't have um, traditional schooling like everyone else. I was actually a very sick kid and um, I had very bad asthma. And a lot of the times if I got in just like a cold or something, I'd be in bed for a week mm. with bronchitis it was that bad. And um, a lot of those experiences and, and being distanced from kids, it left me to just be with myself and my environment. And I would do a lot of reading. So I was always into uh, things like the Bible and spirituality and things nice. like that, because I happened to be born in the middle of my mom's spiritual awakening. And she mm. uh, would just collect books, hundreds of books by you name it and so i was exposed to the wayne dyers and the eon oh, Zant and eckhart tolly and yeah. and all these things it, you know in the new age but also the psychological realm of thought so books by m scott peck and aaron beck and all these different things mm. and 
a lot of those books stayed in my house and and uh, I just kind of would pick up a few pages and scroll through them and try to understand what was going on and all of those things just came together to make me the person that I am at this age and I, I never really put two and two together until I reached a certain age you know until I was about 31 I I, I never really thought about the logical progression of my learning mm. Yeah, man, that is fascinating because some of those, like, I know uh, I've heard you speak about the new age and, you know, I agree with you on that. It may not be like the best uh, ideology, right? But like being introduced to those ideas is certainly uh, a true blessing because it expands your reality and it helps you start to think differently or think critically at the very least about what's what's going on. Like you had mentioned that famous line from the Matrix where Morpheus is like, you know something is deeply wrong, uh, but you, you don't know what it is, and we're figuring it out. And it's really interesting. Very um, not your typical education, you could say. And uh, you, you seem like your your health has been restored to some degree. You, you, you seem very lucid and coherent. And I'm curious, because I was just listening to your chat on my way home from work with an Ayurvedic practitioner. And what, uh, yeah. she, what she was talking about. What is her name again? Bonnie Jean Wallace. Bonnie. Okay. When you and Bonnie were chatting, I was reminded of the hermetic principle, as within, so without. And I'm curious, when you, when you think about a journey of health and how your inner state uh, influences how you perceive the external world, it's very interesting to me. And I'll give you a quick example before I ask you this next question. This is kind of related to health, but it's also related to the as within, so without principle that my uh, former girlfriend and I were hiking along this shoreline and we were getting destroyed by mosquitoes. Like they would not leave us alone. And then we had this realization like, huh, if we just stop thinking about it and we're less anxious, then the external world will respond. We would be putting out a different energy. So we took a deep breath and like clockwork, those mosquitoes started to leave us alone. And I'm curious if you've ever experienced that as within, so without experience where you can, and I'm sure you're familiar with this as a mindfulness coach, you can definitely manipulate your reality or gear it towards something that you prefer using your inner state. So I'm, I'm curious, when did you start taking on clients and how did you get involved in the mindfulness uh, journey that you're on today? Okay, so I feel like that was a lot of questions. In a row. <laughs> I'm a little so crazy, me, man. Yeah, it's local listeners. Let me start at the beginning. Um, sure. So, yeah, the reason why I speak so openly about the new age is because I have a rule. Don't mm -hmm. speak on anything that you haven't studied in depth. Yes. Good. And I spent a lot of time diving into those works. I was exposed to that as a kid because that what the new age really is is that it's a alternative perspective to typical uh, orthodox religion. Mm. And where it bridges the gap is it fills in some of those blanks. However, it's still a control mechanism. It's still right, right. a mindset that you have to conform to. And what it does is it puts blinders on you. And if you notice, the majority of people who get sucked into the new age uh, way of thinking, listen to what I just said, it's the new age way of thinking. Mm -hmm. It's not their own personal learning that has become right. internal wisdom. Something regurgitated. 
this internal set point of maturity and strength of character. Mm-hmm. And you can only get that level of maturity and strength of character, which it's not a, a, a finite amount. It is infinite. Mm-hmm. And you can only get that by studying everything. And then you put it back on the shelf and you say, okay, now what else do I need to dive into that is going to align with what feels like truth? Because truth is an extremely high vibration. Mm. It's, you know, it's just up there with the vibration of love and things like that. And what happens is you notice that people are controlled by the suppression of information, Mm. except information is never really truly suppressed, especially not in the age that we live in. It's everywhere Mm. at all times. And so there's knowledge that you get from the outside and then there's self-knowledge and you cannot reach a point of self-knowledge without multiple perspectives, even if you don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. So things like the new age have become very damaging because it's essentially become the next psychological operation Absolutely. Where people are looking to break away from religion. And so the first place they run to is the new age. Mm. And we see aspects of what's called solipsism, which is the belief that nothing means anything unless we assign a meaning to it. Mm. And so while that's a psychological fact, while that's been proven over thousands of years, it's now been put in a maladaptive position where people will look at people starving in, in Yemen and be like, Oh, that doesn't mean anything because I. Yeah. It's very dangerous ideology. Yeah. And so what, what I'm saying that to say this very popular thing that I say all the time, it's that when someone does not know their true identity as a fragment of consciousness, Hmm. which is occupying a temporary vehicle for the expression of consciousness, they're going to grab at any label or identity that it's coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, any old thing will do because subconsciously they're seeing others do it and that validates it and it makes it okay. Mm. So they're going to play out any subconscious programs that are projected onto them, which means everything in their lives is dictated by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And until you reach the point of no identity, apart from being a fragment of energy that's inside of you, which animates your body, you are still grasping at straws. And so that's why I feel it is so important to bring that up at this point in time, because there's a lot of stuff in the new age that sounds like it makes sense, but it actually does not. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's all taking you away from critical thinking. Yeah. It could be similar to Buddhism too, right? With the no mind principle. It's like, you cannot possibly have no mind if you're thinking about no, I was like, that's in, in, yeah, it's very convoluted, right? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you've heard me say that already. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. A lot of good ideas, my friend. I I just want to say that before I interrupt you some more, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what does consciousness do? It observes itself infinitely. Therefore, it is always in a state of thought. It's always in a state of reaching for gnosis, right? So it's, it is about self-knowledge. And so as for like manipulating the environment and stuff like that, of course you can. And it takes a certain level of mindful focus. Mm. And it doesn't come from the suppression of thoughts, which is what we're, we're taught 
which is some, something coming down the pipeline from the new age and from the Buddhist philosophy and stuff mm. like that, where you, you breathe. And anytime you have a thought, you try to, you try to push it away. You don't mm. do that. You allow everything to come up all at once. And it becomes like this virtual reality screen where you're then scrolling through your apps, which are these thoughts. Interesting. And you say, okay, I would like to focus on this one. Mm. And maybe an angry thought comes up and you say, Oh, that feels like shit. I got to figure out what this means for me. What are the meanings I have assigned? Mm. And so uh, just to give a little bit of insight here, whenever you ask the question of why you're going to get the meaning that you've previously assigned to something, but when you ask the question of what, or it's phrased in how specifically, what specifically, or for what purpose does this thought serve? Your mind is going to reach behind and then start throwing options at you and it's going to be mm. that very still small voice and people go to some great lengths to try to uh strengthen their internal dialogue without realizing that we are multifaceted mm. and the same way i'm having a conversation with you right now i'm speaking but i'm not thinking about any of that it's coming from an infinite stream of consciousness flowing into my brain and so you're going to have multiple uh, voices and, and multiple patterns of speech. And until you spend time with that, you're not going to know exactly what the inner workings of your world are. So things like reading a book out loud and stuff like that, they strengthen the main voice that is you, but there's always going to be other contributors which are coming directly from consciousness. Right, right. And that becomes a challenge because in this day and age, we have Dr. John Hall, who actually wrote a book called Guinea Pigs. Hmm. And an, another one, I forget the title of it now, but if you look him up, you'll find his books. And we're being specifically targeted by forces outside. I'll just say that for now. Hmm. And they're beaming thoughts into our consciousness. Right. Yeah. There's even... Um, if you've ever heard of Philip K. Dick. Absolutely. I love Vallis. Right. So in, in Vallis, what he's talking about is receiving transmissions from an outside force, which is mm. what we call the Black Knight. And it's actually a satellite that orbits the planets. And what's happening with it, this, this is just for people who are unfamiliar. It, it's actually breaking down. They've discovered it's been around for, I think, like 13,000 years or something like that. Wow. Which actually is very significant because that's the cycle that we're actually at the end of in terms of the earth's development, this mm. planetary phase. And so you could be receiving transmissions from that while you're meditating or, or if your mind's clear enough, you could be receiving information from what Dr. Charles Morgan calls uh, psychoneurobiology, which is a, a military weapon, which beams thoughts at you and they can actually get into your dreams while you're asleep. Wow. And dictate to you what you dream about. Mm. Right. So until you are extremely familiar with everything that is you, the good and the bad, the whole, you're essentially pissing on yourself and wondering why you're wet. <laughs> well said. Right. Yeah, so man, absolutely. That's why I teach mindfulness. Mm. Now I'm having a little bit of difficulty remembering what the third question was. Well, no, that's a perfect segue. So, and by the way, mindfulness, emphasizing that fullness is great because you, while, while you were speaking, you reminded me of this quote, probably from Carl Jung, forgive me if I'm butchering it, but it's something like the more you resist, the more it persists. Like if we want to 
push down and suppress and dampen these potentially negative emotions like fear and not examine them, then we'd be missing out on that fullness of expression. So it's really, I'm really curious to ask you what the uh, third question was. And by the way, you've got a great, um, you are, so partially what I wanted to ask you was, how did you get started seeing clients and working in the Oh, right. That's practice? what it was. But I also want to ask you really quick beforehand, did you start doing this before your podcast? Because you have the most brilliant, like perfect podcasting, like you can go and flow and riff on something very well. I just want to point that out to you. Like, I'm glad that you started the Boundless Authenticity show. And I'm going to ask you about the name of your podcast later. But for now, like what came first, the mindfulness coaching or the podcast? So the mindfulness developed as a response to my circumstances when I when I was uh, about 25, I decided I needed a change and um, my desire to change was greater than my desire to stay the same. I love that saying because that sums it all up. Mm. And I was tired of feeling unwell. I was tired of feeling anxious. I was tired of feeling depressed and suppressed. I was tired of being treated like an outcast because if you can picture me with long curly hair, like Chris Cornell, mm. um, black eyeliner, black nails, chains hanging from everything, totally ears full of piercings and stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, being a screamer in a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I saw that as one form of expression that was no longer serving me. And I mm. wanted to get out of here because it was the thing that was causing people to see me as the enemy because in a religious do- uh a very dogmatic and, and a very religiously controlled society, I should say. It's difficult when you're the only person pushing against the grain because that yeah. kind of music just wasn't commonplace here. Yeah. And you, I was called a devil and I was easily recognizable because of the way that I looked and because people would see me playing gigs and stuff like that. And I would be pretty much, I, like Dr. Romney says, I would experience gaslighting by tribe. Mm. So uh, I was carrying around all of these programs of you're not good enough because my father was an, a verbally abusive alcoholic. My sister is what we call a narcissist and, you know, relentless verbal abuse. And in some cases she tried to be physical, but I, I'm that kind of person where you don't want to go there. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, you know, I quickly, learned that I needed to get past all of these things that were floating around in my head that didn't belong to me. Mm. And I did what the cool kids in the new age call manifesting. And I actually didn't know that that was what it was at the the time. I just was 265 pounds of pure blubber and my health was suffering. I'd be on stage and be like gasping for air between lines and stuff like that. Yeah. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore. So Mm. I got on the treadmill every single day and I would just visualize myself um, being on stage doing the thing that I love the most because that's what brought me the most joy at the time. Right, right. And feeling good while you're doing it too, right? Yeah. And so I just continued doing that and working on my endurance and and Mm. shedded a lot of pounds and stuff like that. And I noticed during that process, that something very spiritual was happening to me. And as I lost uh, pounds off of my body, my quality of thinking would change. Absolutely. Certain thoughts and memories would come up. Mm. And 
I'd always uh, struggled with my own internal world and accepting things and had a bit of a victim mentality because mm. of the things that I saw that uh, like other, the ways that people were being towards me. I saw that as being as a very, a very oppressive and immature response to someone else who's just trying to do something that feels good to them. Mm. And uh, that way of thinking is what eventually caused me to, you know, wrestle with my internal world and observe the quality of my thinking. And it wasn't long before, because uh, I'd been, you know, I'd been having these brushes with uh, success and stuff. And I, I was in such a place that I couldn't see exactly what was happening. Hmm. And so I had uh, my name was out there. My music was out there. And then one day this lady calls me up and she's like, I think you're great. What is there anything I can do to help you? And through that process, I actually ended up being given a musician's visa to oh, go wow. to the United States to pursue my dream of uh, learning about the music industry and becoming a recording engineer. Um, this was through a, like a, a quote unquote random woman who kind of offered uh, this completely random, completely wow. random. Uh, just on Facebook, she saw me and she's like, I got to contact this guy. And that's how it happened. Nice. And so, that was my very first brush with manifestation in terms of mm. my definition of manifestation is the extremely focused direction of your consciousness at a particular outcome. Mm. Right. Yeah. And uh, what I learned is that the field of the mind is very small in comparison to the field of the heart. So what sped up the likelihood of me having a, a random chance encounter with this person was the fact that music is such a a heart pumping uh soul shaking exactly, exactly technology right and it's used against us to suppress consciousness absolutely but if you know how to use it to uh expand your consciousness especially if you're a musician, things come to you faster because it's through the creative process that you tap directly in. Absolutely. It's not through the consumption process. You can listen to music and feel as good as you want and be like, yeah, but it's not going to be as powerful because it's not authentic because it's not local to you. Mm. Right. And so there's a, there, that's why sometimes I speak on music and they're like, you're just a hater. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like there's, levels mm. and there's an interesting bridge too like there's an interesting bridge between the interest in mindfulness and music because as a musician you know i'm a i'm a drummer and i can only like enjoy drumming if i'm not thinking about it like if i'm trying to regurgitate a like word for word or note for note kind of um kind of vibe then it's not going to be the same and it's really interesting that you've brought up when you're sitting in meditation you're receiving a message or you're almost listening for the voice of God or source or the, the divine to come to you as long as you can open yourself up in that channel. And as a musician, it seems like something very similar is happening where if you allow yourself to step aside, it's like you have like a sense of selflessness and timelessness and you experience this uh, very raw and real moment that music can provide. But it's, like you said, very heart-centered if you're too much up in your mental space, you'll probably like you probably won't have that that same experience. But letting yourself drop down a little bit and drop into that moment is really awesome. So it's, it seems like it's very reasonable to uh, to see how 
your journey as a musician has led you into this path as a coach. Would you consider yourself a coach or, a, you know, how do you describe your practice and what you do with, uh, with clients? I really only use the, uh, the term coach because that's what people know it as. Cool. I'm not very fond of the word coach because the word coaching is a, as a verb, it really means to attempt to influence by gentle persuasion, mm, like coaxing yeah. and yeah, cajoling. Mm. And that's not what it's all about. Um, so to finally answer that question <laughs> <laughs> around, around uh, 2014 was when I got interested in this kind of stuff. Mm. And then I began wanting to, uh, help people and guide people and stuff like that because i realized that as i was learning things it was better enhanced by passing that information on i like the word guide by the way yeah if you acquire information if you acquire knowledge especially self-knowledge and you don't pass it on you've you've effectively done nothing with it Mm. and so that's when i got involved with that kind of thing and then by 2016 i was working with a friend uh, who was also interested in it and wanted to start a company and stuff like that. And that's what I was doing. And then also to answer your thing about my stream of consciousness, a lot of people talk about my stream of consciousness a lot. And they ask me, where the hell do you get it from? I said, well, where does consciousness? <laughs> is it your stream of consciousness? Like, is this our, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, I feel like a lot of the times it's the creator speaking to me, but helping me to use my, my internal representations and my submodalities to accurately describe yes. to yes. other people, because I can only communicate using the contents of my own brain in this now mm. moment based on past experiences. Yes. I can't tell you something that I don't know. And oftentimes I do have those moments, but not very much in podcasts. And you, you strengthen that by being mindful and by absolutely in meditation and, and, and knowing who's talking in your head. Mm. Jahan, um, I have a question for you, man, because this is very curious to think about the stream of consciousness and how it relates to, to podcasting. And um, really quick, could you just let us know, when did you begin the Boundless Authenticity podcast? And then I want to ask you about the uh, name of your podcast in a very particular way. So when did you begin? So I began the uh, podcast in November of last year because nice. everybody was like, "Man, you're so interesting. You need to get a podcast." And what happened was, I kind of sat there and started to do the the first episode, and I was like, "This is fucking boring. Like nobody wants to hear <laughs> this. Like one guy rambling." There. So I started looking around for people who would want to be on the show, and you know, it's just grown into this thing. Well, it's grown into something quite amazing and i've been enjoying it and you know i brought up uh mira taylor before we got on earlier and she was who i had on in my very first episode i was really cool to see her speak with you because you know you listen to multiple people go on different shows and it's really cool that they um are able to reveal different insights different perspectives just like your friend bonnie the ayurvedic practitioner i'm looking forward to hearing her speak again uh with a completely different perspective but i want to ask you and you're You've been a great um, host when you have these guests on. And it's pretty cool because the name of your show implies a certain energy, which is authenticity. But there is a bit more to it. It's boundless authenticity. And that makes me think of without limitations and without the 
uh, strain of like, or without a restraint, because when someone is binded or they're bound by something, they're unable to move freely. And when they're being authentic, well, the question I really wanted to, to, to ask you was, what does boundless authenticity feel like, look like, sound like, taste like? How would you describe the name of your podcast? Well, essentially, uh, the name just came to be in meditation. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's what I need to Beautiful. call it. And if you look at the words boundless authenticity, it's inherent in the meaning of, of each word, what I'm trying to bring to the table. And so even if I don't agree with something that someone's saying, I still give them the time to speak. Mm. And uh, I only have one requirement. Is this something that could potentially help someone on their path? And if it's not that, then you can't be on my show. (laughs) (laughs) If I get any sense whatsoever that maybe you don't understand what you're talking about, you're not going to be back on the show. Uh. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I might even consider removing that episode because I... I, You are the creator. Yeah, I don't want to put trash out there. I want people to very quickly find the resources they need to grow. And so I try to get people on who... Uh, supplement the work that I'm doing mm. in other words because when pe- people hear me say stuff and they, they don't take it seriously it's kind of like when a big brother or a parent tells you something and you, you, you know it's the truth but you push it away automatically yeah, yeah, yeah. so I try to get other people on that I think they can supplement what I'm talking about mm. and create more levels to uh, self-reflection and by, by a result of that more self-knowledge and and more things to awaken to more perspectives to consider because it's all about cultivating multiple perspectives and that's how we learn and grow yes you'll end up producing more than you consume because you'll be having like a symbiotic chat with with someone and by the end of it you'll have created something new that your listeners even you yourself and your 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 guests will be able to come away with, with something like a new tool in their toolkit, whether they're trying to build up their confidence or to realize how their mindful practices can influence them uh, for whatever goals or desires they may happen to have. Yeah. So I've been going through a phase with that, um, taking it in stages. One month I'll have people uh, reaching out to me, which is Mm -hmm. how I met up with Mira. Uh, and Bonnie, they both uh, approached me with their message and I said, okay, I'll give them a chance. Nice. And then like moving into the next month, I'll be doing people who are more established and, and stuff like that. Just to have a variation because uh, I always try to keep in mind that wherever I'm at, there's somebody that reflects that point in life where I was at and I just needed a boost up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I may not necessarily agree with everything that they say or anything at all, but I'll give them a hand and be like, Hey, come on and talk your thing. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like practice sometimes. Like I want to be honest with you in terms of authenticity uh, and pod and podcasting. I want to tell you a quick story um, because I would love to hear your insight. And then I want to ask you more about um, what you do with your clients, but Jahan, I was, um, I had some strange, probably dark thoughts the last couple, uh, days. Um, my, my, my dog died, uh, last 
last week um and you know it kind of got me down of course because you know dogs are about our best friends but i started thinking about my podcast you know i was like man like if i was doing less podcasting i could have spent more time with my dog and that was a very self-defeating thought that i have let go since then but i thought about it i was like man like i don't really feel inspired to do podcasts anymore and this is actually uh you know one of the first chats that i'm having after having began this like grieving process you know what i mean and as soon as we started chatting i was reminded like okay you might anticipate the strain and the burden of preparing for a conversation or preparing to be a guest on someone's show but once you get locked into that conversation and you're synced up in that moment i was like oh this is why i'm doing this this is not a hobby that i'm going to make any money off of as far as i know maybe i can manifest that later but just being in this moment with you and having this rich discussion has reminded me of why i feel inspired doing this so i'm really curious when you think about your inspirations and you think about how you have acquired all these tools to help people like i am happy that you grew up with um a family that was promoting reading and i think there's not much reading going on with the i mean i'm with 10th 10th graders a lot and they uh they don't really value reading the same way that you and i might and i'm 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 curious if you want to speak on any of the other resources or materials or inspirations that have helped you to become a guide for others oh yeah so um i i have to definitely say about your dog passing, you know, while that feels tragic and it feels like a loss, uh, what you were saying to me is that like, there's a huge part of you missing from the equation. And Mm. I want to say something about the emotion of loss. Mm. It It is exactly what it sounds like. It's very obvious. And most people don't just say, oh, I'm experiencing loss. And so it's actually subtractive it is literally subtracting from my energy yeah and uh when people go down that route of thinking about loss then they continue to have more and more subtractive thoughts Mm. rather than understand that you know everything comes and goes people animals they come into your life they blow uh, in and out of your life like the wind and it's how well you can lean into that and kind of feel the breeze on your face, if you will, yeah. that determines how, how you actually process it mentally. And it doesn't yeah. become a thing that then is hardwired into your system. Right, right. So, you know, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that your dog will, be conti- will continue to be with you because if you've Always. never read anything by like Gary Schwartz, who has done tremendous research on... Uh, what what happens in the afterlife mm. all of the beings like especially all the animals and people who really meant a lot to you there's a fragment of their energy that's always around always that's actually supportive so i wouldn't worry so much about the, those things in the future when you lose an animal or you lose a loved one or whatever as long as you can put yourself in the correct uh, mindset and perspective with it it'll be just great you know absolutely and uh a lot of my a lot of my wisdom just comes from this very uh laser focused 
capacity that I have to apply something. The instant that I learn something, I mm. apply it and see if it actually works. And if nice. it doesn't, toss it out. Mm. And so in my journey, especially once I, uh, once I got in past the initial life coaching training, I realized that it was a bunch of crap. And it's really all about being in a position of pushing people into perspectives that they're not necessarily ready for. Mm. And I figured out what is the thing that I needed the most when I was going through stuff. And it was somebody who listened. And so I've come up with this general rule that when somebody's telling you they got a problem, it's because they got a problem. And like, you shouldn't try to impart wisdom or tell them what to do, which is essentially what the coaching industry is all about. Mm. And uh, I was still studying a lot of books like cognitive behavioral therapy and its applications in anxiety there's actually a book called CBT and anxiety, which is a, it's all about clinical uh, psychology, clinical cognitive behavioral therapy and how it's applied to questions they ask, what works, mm. what doesn't work. And a lot of insight from that book is what gave me more uh, self-knowledge. You're just trying to apply these questions because I remember I would study, I'd stay, I'd stay up late at night when everybody else was sleeping in the house because it was a shared house. And uh just be burning a candle at both ends, writing down these questions and nice. answering them honestly for myself mm. to see if there was any validity, validity in the techniques being used in these books. And so uh, I went back to the stuff that I'd seen around my house, like Aaron Beck, and um, who is the forefather of cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. And he, he makes the distinction between uh, psychiatry, psychology, what is a mental illness? What are the characteristics of a mental illness? And the mm. characteristics of a mental illness essentially is anything that strips you of that same thing we just talked about, your ability to resonate with your consciousness right. inside of a, a body. Right. And as soon as you start being pulled in other directions and we're seeing it now, it's a, it's a terrible thing where people believe that if they want to be a potato tomorrow, that's okay. <laughs> Right. And it's not just a it's not just an anatomical fact that a man cannot be a woman and a woman cannot be a man. It's a consciousness thing, mm. because what you're saying is that the technology that you have is broken somehow. And a lot of the traditional psychology and psychiatry philosophies, as we see it in this day and age, is a, a hyper fixation on this thing, concept of people being broken. So if mm. if I don't feel a particular way today, I must be broken. And therefore, something's wrong with my identity mm. and somebody can come along and give me a new identity. And so once I cracked the code on that, I realized that I was identifying with everything else except for what, what am I at the core, mm. this fragment of consciousness. I was then led down the path of taking uh, hypnotherapy training. Uh, I did study neuro-linguistic programming and cognitive behavioral therapy in depth. I did study mindfulness. I did uh, become a mental health practitioner and all of these different things that I needed to help me. I mean, shit, I even did my two, 300 hours of yoga. So I'm nice. very wow. well uh, versed in all of these different things. And so, you know, you take your rational information, you take your emotional information and you bridge that. Right. And you constantly question it day by day. Is this thing that I know to be true still serving me? If yes, then proceed. If there's even a hint that it's a no, then you begin asking yourself different questions about it. Mm. 
because the world is going to continue to go in one direction and you don't necessarily have to go with it, but you do have to understand how stuff works. Absolutely. And until you understand how stuff works, you can have a head full of knowledge and an empty heart. Mm. And that's a that's the problem that that we're having with the traditional psychology and psychiatry industry. People are just trying to come at you with information from up here, but they don't really understand because they haven't applied it in their own lives. Mm. And, and that's creating a lot of problems because there's hundreds of labels that you can give to somebody to tell them why they're screwed up. <laughs> but you know, there's not enough emphasis on what's actually right with you as a person. Right. And yeah, totally that's the agree. reason why we're being led down this very dark path of, of gender confusion mm. and uh, suicide and rampant drug use and all mm. these other things, because we are no longer in touch with ourselves. And the majority of people out there in the mainstream are interested in helping us uh, get back to center. Absolutely, it's, man. Yeah. So pondering all of that and, and going through all the different trainings and understanding the different faculties of the mind and stuff and having the, the theoretical knowledge, but also applying it on myself every step of the way is what put me, I believe, in a position to be an appropriate guide for people. Definitely. Definitely. I really ap appreciate how you broke that, that down because I definitely want to emphasize what you were saying about application and it's cool that you approach this study because you're, you're studying yourself while you're preparing to help others, which is something that seems like definitely a, a, re a requirement for sure. And I like how you approach it as an art and a science. The science portion being, well, if you learn something, then you have to go out and test it and experiment and see, is it repeatable? Is it applicable? And it reminds me of this quote from Ernest Becker. He has a great book called The Denial of Death, talking about how we grapple with mortality. And he's got a great, a great line about extroverts and introverts. And the tragedy of an introvert is that they may learn something brilliant, or they, they might have this deep and rich creative potential, but they choke on it and they, they can't get it out. It gets stuck in them and that festers and festers. So like being able to speak and to learn and apply all these out like even with music you're able to uh channel something through you that helps you remain more authentic or in 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 touch with that uh true nature of yourself whether you're identifying with um you know your heart your soul god spirits whatever it is and it's really interesting that you've um continued to carry that scientific approach where you're applying and testing and thinking and questioning critically while also bridging that gap between, well, people probably are seeking a spiritual connection. Because like you said earlier, the gender confusion, the drug abuse, the sort of debauchery definitely does signal this societal collapse, which is an inevitable cycle, it seems, where, you know, empires rise and fall, and then we have to find new footing. So do you think that man's quest for a spiritual experience is going to lead them like what are your thoughts on spirituality or a spiritual consciousness in terms of aiding people towards a better life or towards perhaps a, a remedy to this so this problem that we've been experiencing um you know 
I think everything is spiritual. Well said. You know, one third of one third of us is inside of this vessel because that's about all the energy that this meat suit can handle without mm. exploding. Right. And then there's two thirds of us out there in the ether, which is back home in the other dimensions and stuff like that. And we've lost our innate ability to connect with that each day in mm. different ways to kind of use that as a reference point. And so this is why we're seeing so much. I shouldn't say this is why and, and, and have that in an absolute term, but it's one part of the equation as to why we're seeing so much confusion in general, mm. so much of the concept that being sexually promiscuous, being a prostitute is equal to sexual empowerment. Why so much uh, stuff like, you know, a man can be a woman. Well, if you open any anatomy book, you will see that that's physically impossible. I can't give birth they, even if I wanted to. They know that, you know, in times gone, gone by, they analyzed civilizations based on looking at their bone structure and the genetic makeup and what they could find and put back in the lab and say, oh, these qualities belong specifically to a man. Yeah. Right. So right. if there was some, you know, sorry to say it this way, but if there was some transgender person back then, then we don't know it now because they found the bones of a man or they mm. found the bones of a woman. Right. right, right. <laughs> Breaking us down to our essential qualities, you could say. <laughs> exactly. So nature doesn't make a mistake in that way. Everything is just something that is causing you to ask different questions mm. and to relate to your life and the world around you in a different way. It isn't to put a quick bandaid on it because that's like putting a plaster on an infected wound. Exactly. You're going to gangrene and you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Mm. And so with the transgender thing, the information that's suppressed from the public is the amount of people who go that way. They're, they're terribly unhappy. And so they try to switch back. And then when they get there, the, the problem still hasn't been solved. And so they switch back to where they were before. And it's, like right. you, you can only do that so many times before you greatly injure yourself. Right. You know, it's very alarming that's too. Problematic. Is that big, big pharma is so involved in that process where if you're in need of some type of hormone therapy, well, that's coming from the pharmaceutical companies and who wants to trust them, right? I mean, if, if we've learned anything from the last two years, it's like, well, we should probably question these big companies and not just take whatever pills they decide or prescribe to us. And I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts on the holistic model where you treat the root cause. You're not just putting a Band-Aid on something, but you're actually addressing that root cause, right? That's definitely a very interesting conversation that you had with uh, Bonnie recently. Yeah, the doctor dresses the wounds, the mind heals the body. Point well blank. Well said. Well said. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, it, it's just uh, along to add to what you're saying, along with the atrazine in, in the water and stuff like that, there's people who, you know, in, in, and people that we know that actually believe gay frog theory. <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense because it tells you that something is being done that's affecting all species across the board. Mm. If you just uh, look at gay frogs as a, uh, evolutionary uh, response then you're looking at a lie because why would the frogs need to change what they've been doing for right. so many years and also a frog is not a human being so it doesn't make any sense mm, nature makes no mistakes nature doesn't make any mistakes i love to give the example i always give this example that the leaves fall from a tree in a particular geometric pattern and they spiral to the ground 
and they always hit facing very specific measurable degrees. Mm. Okay? So nature doesn't make a mistake. You're not going to show up in a man's body because nature hates you or because God thinks you, 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 you went into the wrong hole or something. You popped <laughs> into the wrong body. It simply doesn't happen. Mm. We have precognition and a, a deep understanding of exactly who we're meant to be. Mm. And so, you know, uh, let's take the solipsism. Let's take the new age philosophy out of it because the new age has hijacked this, this uh, knowledge. Look at it from the hypnotherapeutic uh, standpoint. In hypnotherapy, they have proven that because a person cannot lie under hypnosis, mm. they do understand that to a certain extent, we do know what parents will be with, what gender will be, certain things up until about the age 13, we're somewhat aware of the potential choices that we will have in this life. It's malleable. Mm. And so for someone to say that they chose that as a spiritual journey, well, that's not necessarily true because what we're actually witnessing in real time is the hijacking of consciousness Absolutely. by the, the anti-life individuals mm. who they enjoy doing this. They do this because they get something out of it and it's not mm. money. No, they they want to keep people running in circles and they want to keep people out of their sovereignty and they'll do mm. anything to get that outcome. Mm. And so that's where a tremendous amount of the confusion is coming from. And um, when people are talking about that, I just tend to listen to what they're saying. I tend not to put my own, I should say, learnings because it's not opinions to have an opinion or a conclusion means that you've got all the answers already. And there's nothing going to be anything more than that for you. Right. Right. And so I haven't found anything to be different than that. And then when you look at like in my own learning and development, when you look at Eric Erickson and uh, Hans, I think their concepts of personality development in psychology and, and uh, the development of human behavior, if you throw it back to what you were saying about being an introvert and an extrovert, mm. well, those are just malleable personality traits that you can choose. Right. But most people won't because Myers-Briggs said this or <laughs> some other... Your zodiac sign has said that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Some other, some other external force told them that they're mm. nothing other than that. Right, right. Right. So there, we have all of these different phases and levels to disempowerment that exist. Mm. And, and the people who heard us on the human farm like sheep, they know this because they understand psychology better than anybody else. And so they're always using our concept of identity as a weaponized concept Absolutely. to keep us away from consciousness. And it may surprise a lot of people, but someone who I've had as a mentor uh, is a transgender person. Now, I haven't met this person in real life. I just, uh, a, a mental mentor. Yeah. I've, st I've studied their philosophies, their outlook on life. It's a psychic medium called Lauren Cielo, Dr. Lauren Cielo. Hmm. And um, that's what I mean when I say you have to take all things into consideration. Everyone's uh, 
ideas are valid when you're trying to find the truth. And that's the Absolutely. only way to know the truth. Right, right. Otherwise, so, we're in an, an echo chamber of our own making for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so then you can't also look at things through just the psychological route. Yeah. You have to, there are so many people that you have to study when you go that route. Right. That even to this point, I'm still learning and growing based on all of the information that's out there. But a lot of what we're witnessing in terms of how people are behaving, it's all completely made up, fabricated stuff that's coming down the pipeline from people who are purposely trying to confuse us mm. and create division and create uh, ill health mentally and physically and right. keep us all weak. And so that's why, uh, as, a in the, in the coaching capacity, I, I tend to call myself, I've branded myself as a subconscious self-sabotage coach mm. and a mindfulness instructor, because to understand the subconscious, you need to know two things. 95% of the day you're being led by your subconscious mind and 5% of the day you can use your conscious mind, then you're always in, in a state of hypnosis because all throughout the day you're transitioning through different brainwave states. Mm. And so you're going into the alpha brainwave state for at least seven hours a day because the subconscious mind needs you to do that so that you can process information under the surface. Otherwise you'll be having a series of strokes all the time because it's so much information because the conscious mind can only take in 140 bits of info Mm. and the subconscious is communicating to 60, 70 trillion cells, 6 trillion bits of information. It'd be like having too many tabs open. Your computer just won't be able to to process anything new. There's too much happening. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we're always walking around in this heightened state of suggestibility, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm. And mindfulness is then the, the, the umbrella which contains several techniques for accessing your subconscious mind and being consciously aware of the things that you do. Mm. And so there's a lot of ways that um, you can get into it. But I always tell people that the most effective way is to have a a session where you access your alpha brainwave state or preferably if you can get there, the theta brainwave state, Mm. because that's where the greatest level of change can be made. That's the easiest way to hack the subconscious mind. And especially with the theta, well, theta is more or less the language of the creator of all that is. Mm. And uh, it's that dreamlike state right. that taps you directly into consciousness and taps you, gives you access to the blueprint that is the aspect of you that is not inside the body. And just to clarify, like delta would, would be like sleep and theta is like right above it where you can still access um, maybe like conscious or subconscious awareness, but not being fully asleep. Yeah, basically, that, basically that's it in a nutshell. Interesting. So. Now, some people might jump to conclusions and say, well, I'll just go on YouTube and type in Theta Wave Binaural Beats and they'll be given something. And I'm not sure that's the right thing. What would you say? I mean, there's many a ways you can meditate. Beat, yeah. <laughs> a binaural beat isn't necessarily going to take you right. down to the level that right. you need to be at. And in fact, I tend to be very instructive in my sessions because I want people to not come back to me. Interesting. So I want them to lay their cards Spoken on the table. Spoken like a true and... healer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want them to, to learn how this mechanism works. 
so they can go on to solve their problems and they're not calling me every day or every week or every month with a problem. Yeah. And it's all about cultivating radical uh, responsibility, not self-love because that's trash. <laughs> self-love is a given folks. You should already responsibility. love yourself. Absolutely. Yep. Responsibility. You should respect yourself. You should have mm. love for this container that holds your consciousness. And you should have respect for other people wherever they're at and try to respect them by understanding. Try to put yourself in the mindset and understand what's going on in their personal world and what's going on in the world outside that could potentially be dictating their view of self. Well said. And I really love that you've emphasized listening. That's kind of an intention that I set creating this podcast was hopefully I will interrupt people less and I will learn to listen better. And I am really appreciative that you've shown through example that even you, even if you may disagree with someone's ideologies or their beliefs or whatever, listening to them and uh, trying to figure out or not even trying, but placing yourself in their, in their shoes and experiencing reality through their lens Temporarily, of course, not fully subscribing to their worldview um, is truly, truly beneficial because you're going to be adding to, to your own perspective. You can always learn from others, especially if you can just release that that urge to inject your learnings or your opinions, as you said. And I'm curious now, as we transition out of this conversation, it's been about an hour and I want to leave folks with. Uh, a little insight from your experience as a guide. And I'm curious, what would you say to people who were interested in contacting you? What should they expect? And maybe the answer is come with zero expectations. Come as you are. Be prepared to share your, your authentic self. And I'm curious, now that you've been a guide, a coach, or an instructor for X amount of time, how would you help people prepare for this type of, of work that you can help them with? I can't help you prepare for it. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't tell you what to expect because when each individual person comes to me, they dictate what they need. Right. And I can only take you as far as you're willing to go. Would you say it's similar to uh, what you and Bonnie were speaking about where like, the Ayurvedic system is so powerful because it is not a one size fits all modality. It's like we all come with our individual dosha. We all have a different constitution. I mean, the the organ, that brain that sits between our 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 ears is operating very individually and you know it's we're all totally unique. So I guess that's a great way to approach it is that you know we're all coming with something different and You've, you've reminded me of a great metaphor. Maybe you can relate. Uh, when I was becoming a teacher, they would use this metaphor or this analogy of an, an airport. We're all arriving in the central place and we're all carrying different baggage. But we all have a, a different destination. We're all going somewhere different. But when you're at the, the airport, everything there is built to help you arrive at that destination. So I'm, I'm curious, different question then. When, when you're studying, when you're um, learning recently, have there been recent books, recent resources, um, 
You also mentioned the word responsibility, which automatically makes me think of Jordan Peterson, who's a big inspiration for me. But what have you been learning recently or have you been studying or reading anything in particular that you want to share with us? I can't tell you exactly what I've been studying lately because it's mostly been my own notes that I've been making beautiful, man. Yeah. over the past few um, few months or so. Because of what we're seeing now, I feel very compelled to give people the ins and outs of mind control and how it works. So everything that I'm telling you is based on a neuro-linguistic programming or a hypnotherapy standpoint as to how we have these weasel phrases that are used that are typically just conversational and so we don't catch them hmm. and um you know that's why i'm you know i'm going on about the brainwashing and right. those kinds of things because until we know what to look for we're always going to fall for the same trap so it's kind of like a hunter in the woods the hunter knows how to look for a bear trap you know hmm. so you've got to become this other version of yourself that's very well versed in how consciousness is hijacked in order mm. to survive this new this new phase of of development that we've all entered into as a collective right and so you know if i had to give a couple of books i'd definitely say uh whitley streber the afterlife revolution mm. i loved that book because i just i read it and i thought to myself i want somebody to love me the way that this man loves his wife that mm. book is all about uh, his wife, and she she has a a bunch of uh, health problems, and she finds out that she's going to die. And so when she does, she begins to train Whitley mm. to know when she's talking to him from the other side. Oh wow! Oh my God! Yeah. Huh. So um, another another book that I read lately that I really enjoyed is. Um, I'm actually still reading it. Um, it's the afterlife experiments by Dr. Mm. Gary Schwartz. Mm. And so a friend of mine actually put me onto that. Um, if I can just do a shameless plug. Absolutely. There's a, there's a consciousness technology called focused life force energy. It's episode 28 on, on my podcast for mm. anybody that wants to listen you can go to flfe.net and do a, a free 15-day trial. But what it does is it, it allows for you to get into deeper states of meditation. There's prayers which affect the plants and the animals and clear the land and all these different wonderful things that we could use a lot more of. Yeah. It raises your uh, the vibration of your personal space to over 500 on the scale of consciousness. So... Another book that I would say that I've studied that everybody needs to read if they haven't read it yet is the uh, Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins. Mm. A lot of the work that I do, especially when working with emotions and stuff, is based on the concept of um, where is this level of consciousness taking you to? And so you have the bottom level, which would be shame and guilt and fear. And then you go up to anger, which is higher up, close to the middle, underneath neutrality. And it's from neutrality, which is kind of like that state of meditation that you're at when you're calm, mm. that you can then go towards love and go towards uh, enlightenment and those other experiences towards truth. And so I feel like truth and enlightenment are synonymous. And it takes 
the love of truth to become enlightened and the willingness to be unenlightened to bring you back to neutrality. And then you choose something else that moves you towards a more loving and understanding perspective because understanding is also synonymous with love. So when somebody comes to me for help, I want to take them through the levels of, of their experience to find out, okay, well, where are you out of love? Especially in the world that we live in where evil, you know, they say evil is live spelled backwards, but evil, if you turn the word love around, it's evil. And so it sounds the same, but it's also E-V-O-L, which is the first part of evolution. And so mm. if you learn how to work with the inverted society that we live in and, and flip everything back on its head to, to restore order, whereas the cabal is doing the ordo abkau thing where it's order from chaos. Right the order that they want it to be, you can then restore order back to its natural thing. And that always subtracts from their ability to do what they do. They mm. absolutely cannot stand it when another empowered person comes on and they, it, it, they're they living life in a way that doesn't conform. Because if you conform on any level, you're not free. You have to be able to go to someone like me and, and have them listen very deeply to everything that you're saying to trust that your experience is really what you say it is and then help you work backwards from the hole that you're in because it's kind of like there's a really great story that I, I heard many years ago it's about a guy's walking along he's just left the bar he's down on his luck he's walking down the street he isn't looking where he's going because he's so involved in his own thoughts that he falls into a hole And he's down there screaming, help, somebody help me. I've fallen into this hole. And a doctor walked past and he looks down the hole. He says, hey, what are you doing down there? And the guy says, I need your help. I was walking and I fell into this hole. And the doctor pulls out his pad and writes him a prescription, balls it up, throws it into the hole. (laughs) And the guy looks at it and he's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Then the doctor goes and he says, call me in two weeks. And then walks on, gives him no help whatsoever. Then a therapist walks by. And he's like, hey, I fall in this hole. Can you help me? And the therapist says, oh, how does that make you feel? And by now, the guy's angry because I'm in a fucking hole. What do you, how do you think it makes me feel? <laughs> you're right. And the therapist says, you seem to be having some anger issues. Perhaps you have some trauma that you're, that's unresolved. And just kind of talks at him and then says, okay, well, you know, if you're still here, I'll, I'll talk to you, but I hope you resolve your issues. And he moves on. And so then finally, somebody comes along. And, and the guy's like, help. By now, the guy's crying. He's like, help me, please. I've been in this hole for three days now. Everybody that's passed by, they've talked at me or they've just walked straight past and left me here. Nobody's listening to what I'm saying. Right, right. Right? And so that's the insightful part of the story. And so the one guy that comes along, he says, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine what it's like to be in that hole. So he jumps in the hole with him. And the guy starts freaking out. He says, oh, my God, I've been stuck in this hole for three days. Why would you jump in? Now both of us are going to be stuck down here. And the guy very gently puts his hand on the other guy's shoulder. And he says, hey, just take a deep breath. Tell me what happened. I know how to get out of here because I got in here willingly. And so he shows the guy how to climb out of the hole. And they both get out. And he takes the guy, he brushes him off. He uh, makes sure that, that, you know, he has something to drink, something to eat. He's, he's good enough to go on about his way. And he sees the guy off home safely. And that's what being a leader is all about. Yeah, man. 
Wow, you told that story very well, and it it does perfectly highlight this profound point of listening is the best way, probably the only way that we can really help each other. And it's beautiful. There's something very shamanic about that. If you want to really help someone who's down in that proverbial hole, then you have to willingly dive into it yourself. And that's what's really cool about studying psychology or philosophy or these tools and modalities that, you know, first you have to test them on yourself. First, you have to study yourself. And once you've emerged from that particular hole, then you'll be ready to help others wherever you are. And that's really beautiful, man. Love that. Yeah, man. You've got to, you got to understand that communication, not only is it a two way street, but it's mainly about yielding. Absolutely, man. There's always room for negotiation and compromise. And I think it's going to take a lot of practice for myself personally, because I know I'm, I can be a very um, antagonizing, energizing kind of person or energetic in the way that I use my words. And that's, so it's a great reminder to uh, take a step back, yield, and just hear someone out, hear what they have to, to, to say. And today you've definitely given me a lot to think about. And I hope for people listening to this podcast that they come out of it with a sense of calm and, and ease because really the best reminder we can give ourselves is not only to listen, but to look around and imagine there are so many people out there who want to be heard or who would like to listen to you. And that two-way street, that communication line is available at all times. Even if you're totally by yourself, you're never actually alone. Absolutely. Wow, man. Well, if anyone would like to contact you or hear your music or set up a session, listen to your podcast, all the above, where can people find you, my friend? Yeah. So if you want to find me about uh, getting some some assistance, then you can go to Instagram at Jahan Sator. You can join me on Telegram, t.me slash The Boundless Authenticity Podcast. Um, Anchor.fm slash Boundless Authenticity. That's uh, the main site of the podcast, but it's also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you search for it. And you can also send me a personal email at jahantwsator at gmail.com. So I'll spell that J-E-H-A-N-T-W-S-A-T-T-A-U-R at gmail.com. And if you want to hear the music, uh, search for Worlds Not Gray on Instagram or Spotify. Awesome, awesome. And typically... I have a ritual final question and I've been thinking about it a lot. Maybe I'll switch it up, but I'm curious, you know, might as well, might as well. If you could time travel back to your past self, if you could go back and talk to who you were 10 years ago or yesterday or last, last week, however far back you want to go, what would you say to your, to your past self? If you could give them some type of guidance or insight to help them along their journey Maybe not necessarily changing the timeline like some people might imagine, but just giving some kind of nudge in the right direction. What would you say? Take responsibility. Man, I'm glad I asked. That is such a great point. And and also with that, I would say take responsibility and learn to understand what is not your responsibility. Mm. Other people's ignorance is true wisdom. responsibility. Absolutely. Well, my friend, you have definitely enjoyed 
a great deal of insight and wisdom that you've acquired through experience. And I appreciate this experience that you've shared with us today. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that anyone listening has definitely taken away something both useful and inspirational and motivational. And I appreciate you. I am so thankful that we've been connected through this podcasting community. I'm going to hop into your Telegram group soon and say hello. And I encourage everyone else to do the same. So Jahan, I love, I would love to have you back on sometime. You're welcome anytime. It's kind of funny when you were saying like you have to vet your uh, guests in a particular way to see if you want to have them back on. And I don't have like a test or anything. This is just my, my gut feeling like, man, we have a lot more to talk about that we didn't talk about today. So to be continued, my friends. And I just want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day weekend. And cheers for now, folks. Peace. And there you have it, folks. That is episode 27 with Jehan. He is the host of the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. Make sure you guys go and support him. It's a really great show. He's had, like I said earlier, a lot of different guests on, not just kind of the same echo chamber over and over again, but a great variety. And I'm truly thankful that we've been connected in this podcasting realm. And I want to say once again, thanks to Ghost of the My Third Eye podcast because I first saw Jahan on the Talk at the Tavern, which is on Friday nights. It's a cool little get-together, so thank you, Ghost, for hosting that, and I'm glad that we've been able to connect over and over again through these interesting times. We've got lots of interesting people to talk to, and I am proud to be in this truth community. And Jahan has offered something truly unique because he is an expert on mind control, but It was nice to chat about something a little different today, a cool variety of topics, including his journey as a musician and other interesting tidbits on his journey through self-discovery and going towards his personal gnosis. So without further ado, one last time, Boundless Authenticity Podcast. Make sure you guys are supporting him. Check him out. By the way, folks, the song that you're listening to is from Jehan, from his band called World's Not Gray. Check it out. This track is called Haunt Me. Once again, that band is World's Not Gray, and this comes from the album Precious Resentment Part 1. Enjoy. And I would love to invite you to the Telegram group. Search up the Loco Listeners community or go to t.me slash listeners. Jahan's in there. Thanks for joining, buddy. And you can always come through and drop some memes, share some laughs, have a good time. That's why we're here. And last but not least, let me leave you with a very potent message for today's times in this upside-down clown world that we find ourselves in. Wherever you are, be here, be now, and be you. Adios. Adios.